Welcome back into the Card Chronicle podcast. As promised, two podcasts, one week. It's the first time we've kept a promise here and I think, I don't, I don't know, at least seven months. But we're here. We're doing it again. We're focusing strictly on this weekend's game against Western Kentucky. And to talk about that and more, joined by deputy editor over at Card Chronicle, Keith Wynn, uh, who was on the pod, I guess, uh, two episodes ago, talking some football. Now we have some actual games. We know it's going to happen. Last time you were on, Keith, we were kind of debating whether or not we were even going to get to this point. Now, unless something bad shit crazy happens in the next 48 hours, we're going to get to watch Louisville football Saturday night. Um, I know you're excited. I'm excited. Everybody listening is excited. That's beside the point. But I guess my first question is, like, you've been doing your normal game week stuff. You've been writing all the posts on Card Chronicle. Does it feel kind of normal for you, or, or where are you at mentally going in? Does it still feel sort of weird? I mean, it's a, it's a little... It's a little odd. I mean, I I, I kind of the the season kind of snuck up on me, which seems silly because it, it's obviously delayed a little bit and it whatnot. But I guess I was kind of without even really noticing it, I was kind of expecting it not to happen. So all of a sudden last week, I was like, well, Jesus, I got to start writing. And you know, like there's there's stuff to write about. The season's coming up, so it feels weird. You know, watching football still feels a little weird. Um, and I think some of that because we haven't had any big games yet, but it, it is nice to have football back. I mean, I, you know, I, I still, you know, there's obviously still concerns. We still have delays happening around the country. Um, and I think, you know, there's still a quite open question of whether or not we get a full season. But, you know, I, I'll take it. You know, it's 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 exciting to be able to get back into the swing of things. But, yeah, it definitely feels a little odd. Um the timings are there doesn't seem to be the normal build up I guess uh, but maybe that'll change once uh, Saturday morning hits. I'm exactly like you like I feel like the season snuck up and I think in a weird way everything going on kind of helped with the what is usually feels like an endless countdown to college football because I think we've all been so conditioned the last six months to just expect the worst that we've all been just waiting for this to get canceled. We've all been waiting for something terrible to happen. And because that happened, like, we got to, like, the, the one-week countdown, and you're kind of like, holy shit, like, we're actually going to play. And it sort of helped. I mean, I remember I put a poll up on Twitter about – it was exactly a month ago or a month before September 12th. So it was August 12th. And I was like, season opener is supposed to happen a month from today. Do you think the game happens as it's supposed to right now? And the results, I think, were, like, 55% no to 45% yes. So – I, like we're not alone. I think everybody was just kind of unsure, and now that it's here, it's like okay, uh, I guess it's time to get ready. But uh, Louisville is going to play Saturday night, eight o'clock ACC Network against Western Kentucky, and we'll start with this. What's your overall like level of dislike with Western Kentucky, or is there dislike there? I think it's an odd relationship that we have with WKU, not just in football but in all sports, because. there's kind of like this weird thing where I feel like a lot of Louisville fans kind of root for WKU. I'm not so sure the feeling's mutual. Do you, do you harbor any sort of ill will toward the Hilltoppers? Uh, I honestly didn't have any problem with Western Kentucky until the whole stupid death chart thing last year. Like it it annoys me like you wouldn't believe the whole gazemanship or like the, the weird kind of childish, we don't want to tell players their first team or second team. I don't. I don't get it. I think it's really stupid. And I. And I'm not joking. Like I've rooted for Western Kentucky just as like kind of the plucky underdog up until like a year ago. Like it, it gets under my skin because I think it's like Georgia Tech does this too. They don't do a depth chart. They just list every player in number order by their position. 
it, it's just weird. Like, I don't, I don't get it. And I think it's one of those things that I think part of it, the gamesmanship aspect is stupid because all you're doing is telling your own team that, hey, we have to do these petty, stupid things to get an edge. And if you're doing it from a standpoint of like, we don't, we're trying to make players earn something or whatever, they're like, they're grown adults. Like, treat them like adults and tell them, hey, you're the starter, you're the backup. As the backup, you need to work harder to become the starter. Like, I, 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 I don't know. Like teams that are like at the top of the of the of the of the list, the championship teams don't do this type of stuff. And if you're trying to teach your program or you know touting your program as a championship program, you don't do that stuff. And it, I, it's been bugging me all week. And it's partially like it's it's I need this stuff to write. And I you know, but it's beyond that. It's like other programs doing enough. I've always hated it. So I, up until last year, I, I rooted for Western Kentucky because I. I think they're that kind of, you know, underdog, and they pulled off some close games, and I really enjoyed when Brom was there, and they had some really good teams. And But, yeah, this stuff is stupid. And I like Tyson Helton as a coach, but this stupid, petty, weird stuff they're doing with the depth chart is just annoying me to death. And correct me if I'm wrong, we're recording this here Wednesday night. I don't think either side has still released a depth chart, right? No, and I, and I, I really wish, it, you know, I really wish Scott Satterfield just, you know, released it on Monday and said, yeah, here's who we're playing. Like, we don't need to go back and forth with this. It's like a gamesmanship thing. And, you know, I, I think I saw the day that Mike Norvell, uh, I guess they have Georgia Tech, and someone asked him about it. He's like, I really don't care. <laughs> He's like, like I, I just don't care. whatever. <laughs> I wish we had that response from, from Louisville because it's just like, just, just get over the petty silliness. Uh, but I think that, I, I guess, Western Kentucky, I don't think they're going to release a depth chart. Like, the one they used last year is it's just position by position and number order, and you kind of just wait till the game starts to figure it out. I don't get it. It's just one of those things that's really silly, but it also would be nice from a Louisville fan standpoint to be able to know who's starting, who's the backups, who won their position battle, who's going to be the surprise guy. Because that was really exciting last year when Javion Hawkins was a starter, uh, Dana Kennard was a starter. We got to, you know, that's that's exciting from a fan base to see these new faces every year. Um, and I, I wish we got it, but I think it, I would be surprised if they released it before Saturday. I did love, like, the, selfishly, the fact that it was getting some national attention because everybody's so desperate who covers college sports for just, <laughs> you know, clickable stories. And so Monday, whenever I'm writing the news and notes post for Card Chronicle, I always, like, Google search Louisville Cardinals and I Google search Louisville just to make sure I haven't missed anything. And there was, like, seven or eight stories that are, like, old-fashioned depth chart battle. Like, <laughs> bullshit. And I was like, here we go. At least we're making some sort of national headline. Like, this is the biggest rivalry game of opening weekend, I guess, and it's all because of this stupid depth chart. I don't know. Going back to the whole quote-unquote rival deal, it's kind of a weird mentality because I grew up – and I guess it's just because, like, so many kids, like, I kind of just did what my dad did when it came to sports fandom. And my dad always rooted against UK, but rooted for every other, like, small college in the state. And yeah. I've kind of always had that mentality. Like, I root for, you know, EKU, Murray, Moorhead when they're playing in the, their tournaments in basketball and all that stuff. But the weird thing is whenever you play them, like, I think it drives home the point that a large segment of their fan base are you – know, they cheer for Murray or they cheer for Moorhead – but they grew up as UK fans and they hate Louisville. And like, so whenever we have these games, whether it's football or basketball, I always find myself like in like seeing these fans on Twitter or on social media or wherever kind of making me realize like I shouldn't be rooting for them. Like, I, I don't know. And I, and I, I go back to like my default mindset right when the game's over and I'm like, go get them tops. Like, go get them whoever. Like, and I don't know why. Like, I, they don't, 
I don't think anybody who's a who didn't grow up a Louisville fan and now goes to one of these schools is rooting for Louisville when they're not playing their school. So maybe we should be returning the favor. And I guess we are. We've beaten Western eleven straight times. Yeah, I think I think some of it for me is kind of a I feel like around my graduating class in high school, Western became like the another option for people to go to. So I feel like a lot of people I know in my age range went to Western became kind of, you know, Western fans because they went there, even though they were Louisville or UK fans, like you said, and they they rooted for that team outside of Western. And I, I always look at Louisville as kind of the, the outlier from a fan standpoint. If you're not a Louisville fan, you typically root against Louisville is kind of the way that I've always looked at it in Kentucky. Um, so I, I guess that's kind of the mindset. I, for me, it's, it's weird. Like, I, I grew up my brother played football in Cincinnati, so I've I've rooted for Cincinnati for years because I, that's just normal to me, even though they're a huge rival. So, you know, even Memphis, I used to like Memphis, you know, when I was younger because I, I didn't grow up a Louisville fan because I'm not originally from here. So I've always been hard with the rivalries. So, I, I, But at the same time, I do feel like schools in Kentucky typically root against Louisville. That's the way it's always felt to me, at least. Memphis is a bridge too far. Like, yeah, the Cincinnati <laughs> thing... I understand because your brother played there and whatever, but we, you know, I, I can't, I, I can't. The Memphis State thing that, that needs to change. You got to alter that mindset completely right now. Uh, that's, uh, they need, they need to bring that back so I can have the proper hate these days. That's the other thing too is like a lot of the schools that we grew up hating, and, and I guess maybe WKU fall. They have coaches that I, like, I, I kind of like that that I, make it hard to root, or I just don't care about. Like I didn't care about. Like WKU, once they got rid of Ray Harper in basketball, who was at the center of the, I guess, the most contentious moment of this rivalry in recent memory, the Montrezl Harrell fight. Like, uh, once he was gone, which, by the way, somehow that story never, ever leaked. What he did, like this whole massive cover-up in Bowling Green, but whatever. Uh, like, once he was gone, I didn't really care. Like, yeah, Rick Stansbury cheats his balls off down there, but, like, they, they, they're they not a threat. Like, they, they don't beat anybody. They all, He's always going to underachieve when it comes to actual wins and losses. I don't hate Rick Stansbury, and it's kind of the same in, with football. Maybe I'll grow to hate Tyson Hilton if he keeps holding out depth charts, but for right now, I just don't really care. Um, so th- there you go. It's um, kind of like – it was like low-hanging fruit for me. The depth chart thing was just like, all right, this is enough for me to hate them all of a sudden. I think I just picked it because I could. I like it. I, I love grasping for straws. I love – uh, trying to psych yourself up, especially when it's the first game of the year, and we've been waiting what feels like two and a half years to see any sort of global sporting event. I'm I'm willing to take anything and run with it at this point. So you know, fuck Tyson Houghton, fuck WKU. Let's beat a mile. Let's, let's make this happen. Um, let's talk a little bit about, I guess, the, the WKU offense. It's going to look a little bit different than it did a year ago. Um, Gage Walker's back. He ran for over 1,200 yards last year. Louisville did a really good job of, of slowing him down a year ago. But they are going to, they announced earlier this week, they're going to start Terrell Pigram at quarterback, the grad transfer in from Maryland, who's a uh, sort of a dual threat guy. How different do you expect the WKU offense to look this year with him running the show, or do we have any sort of idea without seeing them you know, before Saturday night? You know, I, I think it'll be interesting. I think one, one facet that I think will be uh, that's out there that I'm kind of wondering about it. I don't think anybody has an answer on is how they utilize his legs. Uh, they don't have an option game. At least they hadn't before, you know, they didn't have running quarterbacks, you know, the option aspect, RPOs, all that stuff like that. You have to have a threat as a runner. And they haven't had that. Uh, so I, I, I'm really interested in that because Gage Walker should be the focus of their offense. 
And I didn't feel like they really put him as a focal point last year until later in the season uh, when they got down or when they were close games, they kind of abandoned the run. So I think because, you know, Pigram, one thing with him is he hasn't been uh, accurate. He hasn't avoided mistakes consistently. Uh, so you you, you, you kind of have to wonder if they try to avoid putting him in a situation where they put the, put the game in his hands uh, from a throwing aspect. So, if I'm if I'm Tyson Hill, now I'm relying on the running game much more because you have some stars back on the offensive line. You've lost now. They lost another wide receiver this week. They went into the transfer portal, and they all lost Lucky Jackson, who had a thousand yards last year. So you have an unproven wide receiver group. You have a quarterback who's been inconsistent, but you have a running game that was very good and a quarterback that can run the football. So I I, I do wonder if they're going to be more. Uh, looking to be more dynamic from a, a, a running standpoint with their quarterback doing some of this option stuff that we see with Louisville's offense, obviously with Mikhail Cunningham that we didn't really see with Evan Conley. You know, you, you don't, you can, you know, they can flex that at Louisville. Can Western Kentucky do the same thing this year? It's kind of this weird thing now where, I mean, you've got, like you just said, a quarterback who's, you know, kind of up and down during his time at Maryland. What wasn't a guy who really threw the ball all that well, a lack of options on the outside. They're even more thin at wide receiver now with Jack West Sloan um, transferring this week or announcing that he was going to transfer this week. It's a weird thing, though, because you would assume WKU would look at what Louisville did last year, how much they struggled against the run, and say, you know, we're going to give it to Gage Walker a billion times in this game. But they kind of tried to do that last year against Louisville, and Louisville was actually really good in that specific game at slowing down their run. So if you're them, do you just kind of change up maybe the – like the approach with running the football and still say that's how we're going to beat you, or do you expect them to kind of maybe pull out some gadget plays? I don't know. I, I just think it's a weird game for them going into philosophically because they should be able to run the ball against Louisville, but they couldn't in the exact same scenario a year ago. Well, you look at the Louisville defense last year, and the games where they were maybe fresher, you know, early in the season and in the bowl game, they they weren't that bad against the run. You know, they weren't yeah. great, and they had some gash plays. But, you know, from a standpoint of overall, I would take what they what they were doing. I mean, it took, I think, the fifth game of the season before the short down, short yardage runs. They were killing that. I mean, they stopped Notre Dame on short yards. They stopped Western Florida State. They handled that okay. I mean, they had up front, they were doing good things. Uh, especially in big moments. So you, you know that the Louisville defense can stop the run. I think last year one of the biggest issues is later in the season, they, they just didn't have enough guys. They didn't have enough bodies to be able to do what they wanted to do. And then that started to show the Clemson game, obviously, is when it really started to show. And then as the season went on, they just really had a hard time stopping the run. I think Western has to identify where the weak points are with Louisville's defense against the run. And I think the edges is where they can maybe have some success because you have – a Rajay Burns who's a little bit undersized. You have a Yashir Abdullah who's gained some weight, but it's still a little bit on the smaller side. The defensive ends are still a little bit on the smaller side. And then, you know, safety, you have Rush East and Isaiah Hayes, and you might be able to test an Isaiah Hayes who's not came pass against the run. That's one thing that came pass was really good at, uh, where Isaiah Hayes hasn't really shown that yet. So I think they're going to try to test the edges. Gage Walker has great speed. Um, but uh, running up the middle last year in this game, uh, Western didn't have a lot of success, um, and I think they're going to probably try to change it up a little bit and see if they can hit those edges and test whether or not Burns and those guys on the outside can handle 
uh, taking on blocks and whatnot, and, and maybe they can exploit things with Gage Walker speed. Defensively last year, WKU, a big part of the reason why they were able to surprise everybody and win nine games. And it is kind of interesting, just as a quick aside, how much these programs have mirrored each other the last, I guess, three seasons. Both felt like they had some decent momentum, and then both completely bottomed out the same year, fired their head coaches. Uh, Louisville's only FBS win in Bobby Turner's last year was that just horrific win over WKU where WKU had a chance to win it with a last-second field goal. And then last year with diminished expectations, both programs really overachieve. And a big part of the reason why WKU was able to was its defense. They held opponents to uh, under under 200 passing yards per game, uh, just 135 rush yards per game. And they've got nine starters back. Uh, on that side of the ball, side uh, D'Angelo Malone, who's an All-American candidate. I mean, this is going to be for a Louisville offense that is expected to be even more dynamic than they were a year ago. This is a pretty solid right out of the gate, is it not? Yeah, I, I, I think that that Western Kentucky defense. I really, I really like their defensive coordinator. He's got a really good track record. He's been a Broyles Award finalist two out of the last four years or three years, I believe. And uh, he was actually a guy that I thought NC State would go after. He's got some history there. Uh, and they chose to to, to change and, and go a different direction, but I thought that he'd be a guy that could could get that job. Um, I really like the scheme because it's really built on pressuring up front with your defensive line and letting the guys in the back back half really take advantage of that pressure. So they don't necessarily have the best athletes on defense outside of their their front uh, with D'Angelo Malone and some of the other guys. Uh, Jawan Jones on the other end did a really good job last year. And but they're back in. They're able to keep things in front of them. It's very similar to Kentucky, where they're not. You know, they don't give up big plays because they don't give you time to to really get things developed. Um, one thing that Louisville has to do better this year that they didn't do last year is take advantage of the fact that they run that play action offense. They're really dependent on that. It's built in to really slow down the pass rush or to give you extra blockers to handle a guy like D'Angelo Malone. And they need to take advantage of the fact that they have better athletes on the outside than Western Kentucky. Uh, Western has veteran guys. They're going to know this system inside and out. They're not going to make mistakes. But when it comes down to it, you can still get beat by just not being as good as the other guy. And Louisville just has better athletes on the outside, and they've got to take advantage of that. And they one thing they did well last year is the play-action stuff with leaks out, with, with Marshawn Ford out in the flat or being able to have some misdirection stuff where Javian Hawkins is able to get to the outside because, you know, linebackers are going to the outside of the field. They need to take advantage of that because there there just wasn't the passing game, wasn't there last year. So Louisville had a hard time running the football because they can bring extra guys up. Western's not going to be able to do that this year because Louisville's figured out their passing game. It was just early in the season. They didn't really know what they had with Des Fitzpatrick or Mikhail Cunningham at that point. And it was really just too, too at well as a passing threat. Now they've got, you know, more options. They know what they've got. They got four. They got Justin Marshall's going to have an opportunity to make some big plays this year. There's a lot of threats. And I don't know if Western can do that, can really handle that unless they get some real pressure on the quarterback. And that's where you have to wonder where Louisville's new offensive tackles. They, I mean, this is a huge test. This is probably up there with one of the best defensive end combos that they're going to see this year especially with D'Angelo Malone, who's going to be an NFL player. Uh, you know, it's a good test. We're going to find out really quickly whether or not Renato Brown and uh, Adonis Boone can handle those guys. Yeah, it's weird looking at last year's box score because you kind of forget this was the first game that Mikhail Cunningham actually started at quarterback for Louisville. 
And the, I guess the, the knock on him was he's a dynamic athlete. Can he throw the ball accurately more than 20 yards down the field? And you kind of see that he, I, I think, doubted himself a little bit. And also the staff doubted himself a little bit. He had more rushing attempts in that game a year ago. Then he had passing attempts. He ran the ball 16 times. He only threw it 14 times. And a lot of those, if I remember correctly, I didn't, didn't go back and watch the game this week. I feel like it was he would drop back on design pass plays, and if it wasn't a guy who was wide open, he didn't have the confidence to, to attempt like a tight throw, and he would just kind of take off. He still was sort of defaulting to that athleticism, and it wasn't until a couple of weeks later when he really, I think, gained some confidence as a quarterback. So WKU basically was daring Mikael Cunningham to throw, and they did a really good job on JV and Hawkins. They did a good job on, on Asan Hall, and they did a good job on limiting uh, Mikael running the ball. The one guy that they didn't do a good job on was 2-2 Atwell, five catches, 145 yards, three touchdowns. He seems like a guy, I mean, now he has hype. He's not going to surprise anybody this year. But this still seems like if WKU's playing out of their minds and they're kind of going blow for blow with us for the first, uh, you know, couple quarters, this still seems like kind of a trump card for Louisville, that we have 2-2 Atwell and you don't have anybody who can slow him down. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and I think another thing with, with what they have outside with outside of 2-2 Atwell I think Western's going to try to do some things to try to combat letting 2-2 go wild. You know, bracket coverage where you put a linebacker underneath and a, and a safety over top, uh, whether you do things like that or whether you look at, you know, taking some zone approaches, so those, uh, you know, uh, quick screens or, or, or jet sweep things that they do. So you have guys maybe outside to kind of maybe try to contain them. Uh the big thing that Louisville is going to be able to take advantage of this year, if things go as planned, if, if the offense evolves like it should, is that you have so many options around him that it's a, it's going to be kind of a pick your poison in the passing game, which last year it was pick your poison, whether you stop the run or you stop Tutu Atwell. Now it's going to be, you know, they're, they're talking about moving Des Fitzpatrick around and playing a little bit inside, playing both outside positions. You have Braden, uh, Braden Smith as another slot option. So if they're going, you know, maybe they go four wide, and what do you do then? You you can't really bracket two two if you've got to spread your guys around. There's just more. There's there's going to be more options from the passing game, and the thing about that is that eventually, what are you going to do? You can't really if you try to take away two two. Well, you have other options, but the thing about it is that from a normal defensive standpoint, when you spread the field and when you have these options, you're going to have to leave two two one on one, and there's just not a there's not a player. Uh, on Western's roster that can run with a guy like Tutu Atwell, and especially because you're going to be putting safeties on him, and he's just going to run right past those guys. So uh, it's really hard. I, I don't know how, from a defensive scheme standpoint, how you handle Louisville's offense because they can spread the field and they can still run the ball with JV and Hawkins, and you can't, you can't commit more guys to the run because you have a guy like Tutu Atwell who takes up a safety at least one, if not both of them. So – it's. I think the trump card is a, is a perfect example or the perfect way of putting it because at some point there Louisville's going to be able to just slide a card across the table that yeah you can't beat and I think that's where all defenses but especially Western where they don't have these dynamic athletes in the secondary uh, I don't know how they were really going to handle that from Louisville. The last time I checked right before we started recording this, Louisville currently anywhere from a ten and a half to twelve point favorite in this game. And we talked a little bit about this on Monday's pod, but with UofL getting, I won't say so much hype, but they've been getting some top 25 love. They uh, were picked to finish fourth in the ACC. A lot of people think that they're going to win eight or nine games this year. Are you surprised that that 
spread isn't at least two touchdowns. It just seems like a lot of people are jumping on Louisville um, to cover that number. I, I just kind of am confused as, why it, as to why it's that low to begin with. You know, I think the big thing is that, that Western Kentucky defense bringing so many guys back from a, from a team. They won nine games. Uh, you know, they didn't have any really unbelievably big wins where they blew somebody out that they shouldn't have or anything like that. But I, I think that that defense, um, they deserve some credit. I think the big, like the thing about it from my standpoint, being able to watch these games, breaking them down and whatnot, especially going back to watching what they did last year, they don't have the athletes to keep up. But if you look at the numbers, which is most what most people are going to look at, West Kentucky's defense last year was really, really good. Uh, and then, you know, you don't see too often when Louisville's lining up against a team that has an All-American at, at any position, especially a group of five teams. So D'Angelo Malone is a guy that can really take over a game. Um, I don't want to compare them to, from a talent standpoint or anything like that, but you look back and when Louisville had guys like, you know, Elvis Dumerville or, you know, the Michael Josiahs or the Dwayne Whites, where you have that guy that can really affect the passing game on the other side. D'Angelo Malone is also a guy that ended up with, I think, 99 tackles last year. That's a that's a guy that can really change a game, that can cause some, some havoc, cause turnovers, things like that. I think that's a factor, and Louisville is replacing – uh, Makai Beckton and Tyler Haycraft with some, you know, Ronaldo Brown's a freshman. Uh, if they end up, you know, that's a matchup. D'Angelo Malone against Ronaldo Brown. I mean, I'm a big Louisville fan, but I'm taking D'Angelo Malone every every play. And when you have that pass rush ability, uh, that usually factors in a lot uh, from a standpoint of how people view these games. It's not a safety. You know, it's not a guy that's going to be in the back end and maybe can make a play or two. D'Angelo Malone can really affect this game every single drive, and I think that's a factor in how people are viewing this game. People have talked about Malone going up against the inexperienced Louisville tackles. People have talked about what could be a diversified WK running running attack going up against the Louisville defense that struggled against the run sometimes last year. People have talked about Louisville having a new kicker, a new punter, special teams across the board. If I had to point to one thing that makes me or should make me nervous about Saturday night's game, what do you point to? Uh, Louisville special teams. Um, right. there's, there's so much unknown there. Uh, I, I, I feel good about it personally because I just I look at the, the pedigree of the guys they have coming in. Brock Travel said was a, was an All-American. Max Preps, All-American as a junior. Played in the Army All-American game. Uh, Ryan Harwell is an, is an option at punter. as Juke All-American last year. Logan Lupo uh, was a guy that they brought in. Uh, was, a, was very well regarded down in Florida as a high school player. But these guys haven't played in the game yet. Um, and you're talking about kickoffs. Obviously, uh, that's we've seen from our own standpoint, seeing Hassan Hall as a great returner. He can really change the game. Uh, I don't know who's going to be the kick returner for Western because they haven't put out their depth chart. But Garland of France is a guy that is a dynamic athlete. He can make, you know, he can change the field. And if you're looking at the, the biggest thing with special teams is how they set up your defense. If you're giving up yardage and your defense is starting off at the 40 or on, on in plus territory, you're shorting the field, you're making it easier for the for, for Western for their own offense, and you're making it harder on Louisville's defense. Louisville has to find ways this year to help their defense get to that next step. And if you're giving up short fields all the time, whether your punter is shanking putts because he's, he's new and he hasn't put in a big game yet, whether you're uh, out kicking your coverage and allowing big returns, all those things factor in, and we, we know this as, you know, watching games, those little things matter. 
And if you're giving up an extra touchdown here or a field goal there, it can really affect things in a negative way. So that's the concern for me because I do think Western Kentucky has athletes. They get a lot of good transfers in. They get a lot of, you know, kids around Kentucky who may be a little undersized. They can run, though. You, you put those all things into place, and all it takes is one or two big plays in the special teams, uh, and all of a sudden Louisville's maybe giving up more points than they should, and now you've got a, you know, a closer game than they should be in. Every time you bring up that depth chart, man, I just get I, I get madder. And, and these, <laughs> these motherfuckers, these, these fucking hilltoppers, they, they got to go down. I'm, I was going to say special teams too, just because, and I know that he's not going to be the kicker this year, but you forget when Bland Creaky went down last year, just how much of an adventure everything in the kicking game became. Uh, Ryan Terrio had the, the fantastic fake field goal throw that was like maybe the highlight of the season. That was maybe the one good thing that he did when he was yeah. out there. Like, no yeah. disrespect to the kid. Like, that was awesome. <laughs> but every extra point was an adventure. Outside of 35 yards, you felt like you had no chance to make a field goal. The uh, the kickoff game was an adventure. It just became such a big deal. And then I think – I don't have this set in front of me, but I think Mason King actually graduated as Louisville's all-time leader in yards per punt. So he was, uh, I mean, really just rock solid for four years here. You never know how that's going to go afterwards. So I think that that's the, the one big unknown for Louisville heading into a game where you feel like on paper you should probably win if you play a good game against a, an overmatched opponent. But is there anything else that kind of jumped out to where you're like, man, that's a little bit more nerve-wracking than it should be when I look at this on paper? I think, you know, one thing with Louisville is that, and I think it'll be a thing all year, um, is there's still some concerns that, from a depth standpoint all around the roster because they they, they have some guys that are high potential, guys that I think are going to be good players, guys I, some guys I think are going to be really changing the program type of players. But we don't know that until they actually get out there and start playing. So, you know, the defensive line, they've got some really good young talent and newcomers, guys like Yaya Diaby, Jadarian Boykin. Uh, you've got guys like Henry Bryant. Uh, a lot of coaches and players are pointing out Desmond Tell as a guy that they think is going to be a really good player for them. None of those guys have played a, a Division One football game yet. They're all really talented guys that I think are going to be really good. But you know, that's that. You look around the roster in the depth chart or the projected depth chart, you see that in multiple multiple positions. Uh, Rush East backup is probably going to be Lovey Jenkins, who. Really good player, great offers out of high school, really dynamic football player in Florida, still hasn't played yet. You know, so I think that's somewhat of a concern, if not from a, I don't, you know, just from an injury standpoint, but also just from being able to get to the point where they're rotating guys. We talked about how the run defense really struggled late in the, late in the season. That's because those guys were just, they're banged up, they're tired because they're playing more snaps than you want them to play. You want to get to the point where you have more of a rotation, you're keeping guys more fresh. Uh, and that goes across the board from from the defense, especially, and even all the way on the offense. From from you know running back, obviously we see Hassan Hall out there. That helps Javian Hawkins. You want that everywhere. They're not able to get there yet. Hopefully they'll be able to get there, but we don't know yet. They're just such an unknown from a depth standpoint. And hopefully, um, you know, hopefully it doesn't matter in this game. But I think you know overall in the season, I think it'll be a factor. All right, enough with the cause for concern. Every time I start to feel a little bit nervous about this game, I can, the, the one thing that I go to is just how good, I guess with the exception of the Kentucky game, but how good down the stretch the offense was yeah. once they like found Mikael Cunningham as his quarterback, once it realized 
how good JV and Hawkins and Tutu Atwell both were. And the fact that, you know, Scott Satterfield is now talking about how much more advanced and evolved the playbook is going into year two and how many of those guys are coming back. I know we lost Makai Becton, but winning the bowl game without him, beating Virginia without him, beating SC State without him, I think that that is a big confidence boost to those guys that you're plugging in. I just think it's hard for me to see this offense not being maybe a little bit better than it was a year ago, or at the very worst, on par with where it was a year ago. And as good as WKU can be on defense, they just they shouldn't have the athletes to really slow us down all that much. So that's where I keep going to when I start to feel a little bit concerned. Where do you go when you need to reassure yourself that we're going to be victorious and we're going to be one note we're talking on Sunday morning? Yeah, I, I, I point this out a lot, but Scott Satterfield, one of the things I've really enjoyed about, about him is how kind of blunt and transparent and open he is about some things. And they talk when he goes back to that Notre Dame game last year, you know, they he's openly pointed out like that big first run that JV and Hawkins had was when he was like, Okay, this is okay, we know we at least have that. They had no clue what they had going into the season last year until the game started. And it took until uh the Western game and really maybe the Florida State game is when they kind of figured out they're like, Okay, we have another receiver outside of two two. Like they knew they at least had speed with two two and they'll just get the ball in his hands. They knew they had Javian Hawkins. They knew they could run the ball to the left side because they had Mekhi Becton. If you go back to those games, they only ran to the left. It took them forever to figure out that Robbie Bell and Tyler Haycraft could, could do the job also. They know everything now. Dwayne Leffert called the called the offense vanilla uh, before the bowl game. They're going to they're gonna have more, more things coming out, more things to do. Uh, more than just this outside zone, inside zone, which is really what Scott Satterfield's offense has been. You have a guy like Dwayne Lefford who was at NC State, has some different offensive views, different offensive experience that he can bring into the offense. I think we're going to see uh, a much more open uh, playbook. I want to say open, much more diverse playbook. Um, and I think that's the part that, like you said, Louisville has athletes. They have guys that really can that Western can't match up with, and I I, I agree with you. I, I find it very hard to, to think that this offense is going to be even better than it was last year. And then on top of that, on defense, I do think that I like the scheme. I think they have more talent uh, from a depth standpoint. It's just whether or not those guys are going to be able to get things going and be comfortable playing on the field. But they have better players on defense than they had last year, in my opinion. And you have a you have an offense that's going to be more uh, diverse. That's a recipe for for a really good season and, a, and an opportunity where I think they can really go out and maybe get a win with with and beat the spread. I think, in my opinion. All right, I know you were a big you're a big watch from home guy anyway, even before the pandemic started. You're also like a big watch 18 straight hours of football on Saturday <laughs> guy. So what's the breakdown? Give me the breakdown of the Keith Win opening Saturday. Um, I guess before the game, during the game, what's your game plan? So I haven't really been able to look at the total schedule. I know that uh, App State plays early. I think there's, what, Miami's tomorrow. I try to watch games of the teams that Louisville's going to play just because it helps me from a writing standpoint. But um, I plan on – I'm probably going to do some uh, – smoke some wings during the day. I'm going to do that this Where weekend. Going, Why not? And then, honestly, the best thing about my life is that my wife allows me to literally sit there and just watch TV all day, which is kind of <laughs> insane because we have two kids, and she's still just like, yeah, it's me, whatever. So That's a uh, I'll probably – I know I'm going to watch App early in the morning because I, I just kind of enjoy watching their games, and they kind of still run some of the same stuff. So 
it's fun to watch some of those guys they recruit and see how talented they are. And those those coaches are kind of easy to root for. Um, I, I, I'm debating. My big decision is whether or not I decide to buy that Oklahoma-Missouri State game to see <laughs> Missouri State get absolutely curb stumped for, like, what is it, $55? It yeah. might be worth it. Like, I, I would love to watch that game and in the second quarter see Bobby Vitrino losing his absolute fucking mind because his team is getting murdered by Oklahoma. I, I it's, it, it might be worth it. So I'm debating that. That's my big That's my big decision on Saturday uh, because, I don't know, that, that just sounds fun to me. Wasn't it last year where, like, I think it was Oklahoma played in the exact same scenario against Army? I, I, it was one of the the academies. Yeah. And, and it was a pay-per-view, and it was like 50 bucks last year, too. And then it was, like, really, it was a really close game. So a bunch of people in the late third quarter, early fourth quarter were like, fuck it. I'm paying the 50 bucks. <laughs> I want to watch this. I feel like the reverse may happen this year to where if it's, like, Oklahoma 63 to nothing at the start of the second quarter. Everybody's going to be like, fuck it. I got to see this. Like, I'm, I'm paying the $50. Now. I've got to see if they can get to 100 on this guy. The best thing about that Army game is the amount of illegal streams that are popping up on Twitter. And, like, people were, people were periscoping their TV screen. And I was like, all right, I'm, this is worth it at least. I would definitely uh, tune into that. I mean, it's going to – I mean, nobody – I don't think anyone would not enjoy watching Bobby Petrino just downtrodden on his sideline, either A, losing his mind, or B, just being catatonic, watching his team just get murdered. I, I think everybody would enjoy that. It would be fun. It's like the new Mayweather-McGregor fight. Like, so, somebody's got to give me a link. Like, just just film your stream. I don't care. i got to see this guy lose by 75. Um, that would be great. It, it'll be fun. Hey, football's back. I feel good. Um, all right, let's do, go ahead and do our first predictions of the season. Louisville, Western Kentucky, I said it's like an 11.5, 12-point spread right now. 8 o'clock kickoff, ACC Network. What are you going with, with for your final score, Keith, when? You know, I, I think Louisville will – if I had to say a guess, partially because Louisville hasn't had any stoppages. They got some spring practice. Uh, they, they've they been handling COVID pretty well, uh, very well, honestly. Uh, and I, I don't know that Western isn't, but I think Louisville's had more of a regular, a closer to more normal path. I'd say it's probably going to end up being around 45-21. Louisville, I like obviously. <laughs> I think it's – the other thing, too, is you've seen – like we talked about this a little bit in the last pod, like Louisville players in this time where so many players are, you know, airing grievances about their coaches or, or just saying a variety of things like the, the Louisville players who are on social media, who have commented on the status, status of their program and, and the, the coaching staff, it's been universally positive. I think I haven't seen like one guy who's been like, yeah, I don't know what they're doing. And there have been a couple, a few WKU players who haven't been quite as positive. I know a couple of guys have opted out for this season, so mm-hmm. it, it does kind of speak up without knowing, like you said, knowing exactly how WKU's handled it. It does kind of speak to the fact that Louisville has handled this as well as humanly possible for the past six months, and that makes me pretty confident going into the season. I'm with you. I think they score a lot of points. I'm going to say 38-17 uh, in improvement on last year's game. I think they do a good job on Gage Walker, maybe give up a couple of fluky touchdowns, but that's it. I'm feeling pretty confident right now. Yeah, I think that, you know, last year they gave up that fluke, you know, early touchdown, blown coverage. I think the defense for Louisville has an opportunity to fix a lot of the issues they had, especially early on. And I think that's – if they can do that, they're going to be able to ride that improvement early in the season, hopefully to a much better season. I don't think they take that massive step to being a great defense or anything like that, but I think they're at least to the point where they can – 
you know, really uh, help out the offense to be a nine win team because they don't, they're going to be able to score points. They don't need to shut everybody out, but I think we'll see fewer mistakes in which it should improve the defense overall. Football is back. The pod is back. The cards are back. Everything's back. Not really, but we can say it for at least a couple of days. It feels, it feels good to trick ourselves into believing it. I don't know, man. Like the closer we get, the more like we saw like the uniform reveal today, the more I like read your posts and uh, I get ready to write my game day post and we do stuff like this, talk about the game. It kind it, it feels more normal the, the more we do this and the more excited I get. And I don't know about you. It definitely does. I've, I've gotten a couple of tweets of like Western fans like trying to trash my post. And I'm like, dude, I'm writing nothing but good things about your team. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying anything negative about your program, He's but it's just guys. natural. Like, hey, we just want to be, we want a rivalry. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know how to do that. So you're, you're picking the wrong person. But it definitely makes it feel more normal than it does normal. It's like, oh wow, somebody's just saying negative things about my post, even though they, I know they didn't read it. So it's like, all right, that's cool. Sounds about right. These fucking guys, they just, uh, they don't know what to say. I will give a quick shout out to, uh, my guy Wes Peckinpah. His dad, Leo Peckinpah, is the play-by-play announcer. And they originally pushed back his wedding down there in Dallas. Uh, my best friend, Andrew Weber, is going to be the officiant. And they had to push it back a couple of times and they landed on this day not knowing the schedule for everybody we're going to get pushed back. And it became so he was praying for an early kickoff, and it ended up being an 8 o'clock kickoff. <laughs> so his wedding's going to happen right in the middle of this game, and his poor dad, I think, is going to have to miss it and be down there. So shout-out to uh, to Wes and his lovely bride, Courtney. Uh, hopefully you guys are very sad after your wedding because Louisville just kicked the shit out of your favorite team. Um, that's my wish for the evening. But for everybody else, uh, it's going to be fun. We're going to talk about it later. I just, I'm just, i I'm glad we have Louisville sports and Louisville football in particular to cheer and talk about as we get into mid-September. It felt wrong going this long without having something to, to get all juiced up for. Definitely. I can't, I can't agree enough, man. It's just, it's just nice to have a little bit of normalcy, even though, you know, it, who knows how the whole season goes, but at least for this weekend, man, it's, it's just nice to have some football and have something to cheer about and have something to be excited about. Uh, big thanks to everybody for listening. By the way, like I should say like the numbers on the podcast we put on Monday, I didn't know how they were going to be because you know, still everything in, in kind of a state of flux, and we were off for so long. The numbers were fantastic. You guys are, are awesome. If you haven't yet subscribed to the pod, you can subscribe to it wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, if you give us a five-star review, that's awesome. If you write something nice or mean about us, that's fine, too. Uh, we love you guys. Uh, we will be back. We'll be doing this regularly. We're going to do at least two a week. That's my promise to you through football season and then into basketball season. Keith, appreciate it. We're going to talk to you again next week. Until we do that, go Cards.